Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Uh, I love it when we do the song Let It Rise because there's there's some brother or sister in the middle that always makes sure we get the clap like on beat and I just love that. Love that every time. Thank you for your service to the kingdom, whoever you are. I am mindful of two things today as we uh, come to the scriptures. Uh, one of them would be this, that uh, tonight we are doing something for our community that is out of our normal rhythm that we do once a year. And I want to hold that very closely that God may have something waiting for us tonight at Backpacks in the Park. Second thing that I'm very mindful of is today we actually start a new sermon series. We're closing out the last one that we had last week. We're starting this new sermon series that our preaching intern for the summer, Aaron Jones, actually designed himself And it is a series that we are calling Picture This. Now, in order for me to dive into this series, I need to unpack a fundamental. And it's not a fundamental of the faith as much as it's a fundamental of social media. Okay? Because if we don't get this one right, we're not going to get all the rest of it right. Okay? Here is your quick debrief of something we all need to know. This symbol... This symbol is a hash tag, okay? Now, some of you may have known it by its alias name, okay? I'm talking the names like, you know, pound symbol, hash mark, number mark. This is now a hashtag, okay? I know we're a Facebook congregation, so I'm bringing us into this time, all right? The hashtag is used in such a way on social media that you can take words and phrases and smash them together to be able to catch a certain trend that's happening in the world. You may have seen hashtags displayed in different places. And one of the hashtags that upset people in 2017 was actually a hashtag that looked like this. It was hashtag not my Luke. So the origination of this hashtag actually came from when the release of the latest Star Wars movie was coming out. Mark Hamill, okay, the man, all right, Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker, he played that role at age 24. And when he played the role, he was this hopeful, ambitious man that wanted to tackle the world. But by the time Star Wars just kept building story after story after movie after movie, which that's a hot take that we can talk about later. By the time he gets to playing his last role, he is at the age of 70, okay? He's in his prime now. And one of the things that he wrestled with from the first movie, which do we know what year the first movie came out? Oh my, okay, all right. That's offensive. I will let you all preach this instead, okay? 1977, that would be correct. When he first, I'm really impressed y'all knew that. (laughs) When he first did it, he loved the role. But he was also very vocal that when he played the last part of the role, 
They designed his character to be one that he was grumpy and he was frustrated. And that when you find his character, he was actually hidden. And Mark Hamill in interviews after Star Wars was released actually said, you know what? I remember playing this Luke. I don't remember playing that Luke. And he's not my Luke Skywalker. And that's where the hashtag not my Luke came from. Now, what's interesting is after the movies actually unfolded, Mark actually walked back the statement mainly because he had to admit that the shift in his character is one that is common to the heart that all of us approaching in life and maybe sometimes naively actually approach life with an ambition a hopefulness a readiness to tackle life but when we inherit more life more disappointments more bumps along the road more frustrations, things don't pan out the way that we wish we would. In the second half of life, we wrestle with grumpiness, with frustration of things not turning out the way that they do. Cynicism, skepticism. And Mark admitted this is probably more true of how we age than what we even think. It's not just a trend of the story. It is the trend of the heart. And this is especially true when it comes to relationship with God. That we start out so ambitious. We start out very hopeful. And then the world shows up. And we find ourselves burned out. We find ourselves getting settled. We find ourselves being content. We find ourselves being skeptical. We find ourselves stop pursuing God the way that we used to did. And when we do that, we need the Spirit of God to wake us back up. Maybe one way to put this is last week, as we recognized, uh, we came to this building and it was very dark in here. And we started about the first 15 minutes of service in the dark, and I thought it was a really good practice for us. Uh, there were three types of people that walked up to me when we had no lights in this building. Uh, the first group of people said to me, uh, what did you do? Okay, I appreciated those people. Okay, the second group of people that came to me and said, when are these lights getting turned back on? Okay, and then there was a third type of person. There were very few of these people, but I really loved these people. They walked up to me and they said, I can't wait to know what's happening in service. <laughs> yeah. When life happens, we tend to treat life like the first two questions. When are these lights coming on or who is to blame for this? But there is another way of life, one that is anticipating the light entering your world into a way that you may not seem before. The question I want to explore with you today is how do you prepare yourself for the work of God that's happening around you? To use the lighting language, how do you get ready for the light to enter in when you view everything in a very dark way. Do you mind standing this morning for the reading of God's word? When Christians have needed a refresher, they would read stories like this one of Jesus, starting in Luke 5. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and they were listening to the word of God 
and he saw on the water's edge two boats that were there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So he went over to the boats, one of them belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out the boat a little ways from the shore. And then he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered him, which is more of how we answer to God than we like to admit. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But because you say so, I'm going to let down these nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they were full and they started to sink. And when Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Now you will go fish for men. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You have a seat. Peter, who encounters Jesus has a moment where he experiences Jesus in a new way. And Jesus tells him to put down his nets and trust him. I want to talk about when you find yourself in a dark or skeptical place, or you find yourself grumpy or hard-hearted, how you open yourself back up to God And in my words, it's simply putting yourself out there. It's letting your guard down and letting the work of God reveal what's happening around you. Some weeks as I'm sermon prepping, I'm feeling very artistic-y, okay? Like I want to like, I want to dance with you through a passage. And then there's other weeks where I'm like, I'm just really like logistical, Okay, like I just want to give you a list. I just want to give you a couple of things with it. I'm feeling very listy today. Okay, so I'm just going to give you the notes. All right. These are the three things that you could do in your life to open yourself up, to put yourself out there, to be able to see the work of God. Here's number one. Putting ourselves out there with what we already have in the world. In Luke 5, verse 3, that when he is encountering Jesus, it actually says this, that he got into the one of the boats that was belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put it out a little ways from the shore, and then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boats. The first thing to realize about Jesus is Jesus is extremely resourceful of the geography around him and also the items that are around him. If you were to show up to this lake on this day, you would notice that this lake shore would not just be a clean cut straight line. Lake shores would kind of look like this, where there would be kind of areas in the land where things would stretch out and 
places where it would recede. And Jesus, in essence, takes a boat and pushes it out and creates his own amphitheater to be able to be heard. And I want you to pay very close attention. The way Jesus is heard is because Simon gives him a boat and lets him get out in the water. If you read the stories of Jesus, this is the trend over and over again. Jesus is very needy. Have you ever noticed this? He's always needing something. He's needing a donkey. He's needing a boat. He's needing to borrow someone's house. He's needing to borrow. He's that friend that's always calling you, asking you for a favor. And you have to wonder, why does Jesus need all these? The man could just and he can make something happen. And it's not necessarily that Jesus has to have these things. But that Jesus remembers that need creates connection. You know, think of it like this way. Like 50 years ago, if I was changing the oil in my truck and I needed to know how to put on an oil filter, which I still need to know how to put on an oil filter, 50 years ago, I would have had to call up one of my friends and ask, how do you put an oil filter on this truck? Okay, you would have to find your Kirk Rofer type of friend that would teach you how to put that oil filter on. Now, if you don't know how to put an oil filter on, What's the first thing you do? You Google it. You YouTube it. God does not Google us or YouTube us. God folds us into what God is doing in life. If you want to wake up to the work of God around you, give Jesus one of your things. Jesus is so good that he starts with what we know. To be a Christian does not mean you have to gain this jargon, this wording. It doesn't mean you have to flip your life. It doesn't mean you have to do a position in ministry or go work for a nonprofit. When God approaches you, He approaches you in what you are doing right now in life. When God comes to a man by the name of Moses, He comes to him in shepherding language. When He comes to Gideon, He comes to him threshing wheat on the floor. When He comes to Isaiah, He comes to the temple. This God speaks and works where you already are and through what you already have. He takes the mundane and he turns it into mission. And this is really huge for us. That the work of God is personal. God is approaching you in a personal way in discipleship to him, life with him is figuring out how do I live love here in Round Rock, Texas with my season of life. That thing that you enjoy doing, that job that you've been working at, that's not a distraction of your faith. That is the conduit in which you work out your faith. So first thing is we give him what we already have. Number two, how do we open ourselves up to the work of God? We put ourselves out there when we can't even picture it. In verse (laughs) 5, Peter actually says to Jesus, okay, to Jesus, all right, the Son of God. He says, Master, we've been at work all night. You haven't been on this boat. We've been on this boat. We have been here all night, and we have not caught anything, okay? Let me give you a translation 
of how you say this in your normal day to day. Hey, we've been there and we've done that. Okay, that way does not work. Yet Peter still says this beautiful line with it. He says, yet if you say so, I will let down the nets again. Sarah Barton, she has this beautiful description of what God is trying to do in your life. We are people who walk around, who struggle to see God anywhere. And what God wants to do in your life is move you from not being able to see God anywhere to move you to seeing God everywhere. The good news of God in your life is that Jesus can picture you doing things that you can't even picture yourself doing yet. Like that's how beautiful it is. And usually what that requires of us is to put the nets down again. It means either doing something new or doing something that we've done over and over again. So you pray again, even though it feels like nothing has changed. You ask your neighbor how you can help them out, even though your dog keeps them up at night. Okay, we provide a listening ear to our coworker when we have conflict with them yet again, because that's what Jesus asks us to do. We say yes to serving, even though we served in a different way last fall. We give financially, even though there are different things we'd love to invest our income into. We cast the nets over and over and over again because we start to see how God is working in our lives. Maybe, maybe this picture will do it for you. I was at Old Settlers a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, they were putting on this carnival and one of the things that they have is they call it the barrel of fun, okay? Uh, and when I saw the barrel of fun, I mean, it's this life-size barrel, okay? And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's really neat. Like they put toys in that or like they put snacks in it. And then I was disturbed because I found out the barrel of fun is actually a ride, okay? And basically, someone somewhere thought it would be really fun, okay, to create this massive barrel in which a child would step into it, and this barrel would just josh you around, it would sling you around, it'd spin you around, okay? When I first saw it, as an only child, I went, oh, there's a nightmare I never even knew to fear, you know? Like, that's my nightmare. And I remember as I watched, I was like, are there kids that are brave enough to do the barrel of fun? I think I've even got a picture for it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just one barrel of fun, just to clarify. Okay. I, I watched a kid walk into this barrel of fun. And as he was what you could tell, he was like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. Okay. And I was like, I get you. I, I feel that. Like, I, I really relate to that. He walks into the barrel of fun, shifts him, throws him around, turns him around. You know, he's completely spun. And when he walks out, he's not laughing. He's not crying. He walks out and he's just got this face of just one. That's the kingdom of God. Like, that's what this is like. If you say yes to Jesus, to God's reality, it's like stepping into a barrel of fun. You step in and Jesus is going to ask you to shift perspective of your world. He's going to turn your life in ways that you're like, I didn't really want my life to be turned that way. But when you step out, the world is different. You can see it different. One of my favorite writers says it like this. One of the ways Jesus is saving you from sin is he's saving you from a bad imagination. Sin is a distortment of a great imagination, of a way that we could imagine the world. 
And one of the things Jesus wants to do is get into your life and he wants to show you a picture of the way you could live that you couldn't even anticipate yourself. When we read the word, it is so revealing. These are not just pages of doctrine over and over and over again. If God wanted to give you just straight doctrine of like, do this, make it exactly like this, make sure you do eight steps in your life, he would have given you an Ikea instruction manual. But what he gives us is a word that's full of poetry and of songs and of illustrations and stories and parables because God is wanting to expand your imagination that you have in life. The second way to invite God is to enter into the life even when we can't picture it ourselves. And the third is this. Putting ourselves out there by taking Jesus' words serious. There's a contrast at the beginning of the story compared to the end of the story. If you look in verse 1 with me, it actually says that the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Everyone wants to hear a word from God. Not very many people want to carry out a word from God, though. And Peter, at the end of the story, compared to the crowds, it said, but when Peter saw it, this is verse 8, when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus and he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. The crowd hears something, but those who are in the boat with him actually experience something. Peter simply follows the words of Jesus. He puts himself out there and he experiences God in a new way. One of the ways for the words of the Bible to come to life for you is to practice the words it actually says. When you practice the words that Jesus tells us to, we find that God is wanting to do something in our life and is working through our life. Peter takes a risk and he discovers the need for rescue in his life. One of the questions I wonder for us is do we risk our lives with the words of Jesus at a level that we actually experience the rescue of God? Like when's the last time you've done something for God that you've just been like, I, I don't know what plan B is here. We're, we're just kind of experimenting. We're just putting this out there. I saw this stat the other day that actually said, as far as vacations go, the travel industry is experiencing this major shift. And this major shift is that 65% of people who are booking vacations are now booking adventure vacations, right? So like people are buying RVs and they're going out to different places. People are wanting to go to different sides of the world and go through jungles that they're like, I don't even know how to get through this. And one of the reasons the shift is happening that this travel agency was saying was because people aren't looking for rest on vacations. They're looking for personal transformation. They want to experience a journey and they want to get out there and they want to be transformed by something. The invitation of Jesus is a daily adventurous way that can bring about transformation. It's a day that when 
you lay your head down on the pillow, even though it may have been really mundane in everything that you did. If you take Jesus up on his words, you'll lay back and wonder, wow, what is God doing in my life? We risk greatly because we have been rescued greatly. Whether we recognize it or not, there's a God that is whispering in your ear day to day to put yourself out there. And the question is, are we putting ourselves out there? Faith is very much like casting these nets over and over and over again, waiting to see the work of God. Let me finish with this. There is this, uh, there's this writer by the name of Henry Nouwen who uh, at one point in his uh, faith, he went out to a circus and he said, I just want to learn about God. Uh, don't you just want to be that person, right? That you're just like, I'm just going to go do this random thing. And I'm going to learn something about God. And what he did is he spent hours watching trapeze artists. And he'd watch them as they would fling from one side to the other and they would be caught. And at one point he sat down and just asked a couple of them. He just goes, tell, tell me about like being a flyer. Like that you're a person that gets up really high and you swing down and you release yourself and your body just kind of flies in the air and you get caught by someone. What's that like? And he said, it's very risk. Like it's very risk oriented. And he said, well, how do you get up there and do it over and over again with the chance of falling? And he goes, well, it's very easy. I do nothing. And Henry Nouwen says, well, well, tell me more about that. What do you mean you do nothing with it? And he said, I'm just a flyer. My main job is to let go of the bar and fly. The whole rest of the work is the catcher. It's my partner who does all the work. He has to be able to get the timing right. He has to be in the right position. He has to have the bar ready for me to catch when I'm flying in the air. I do nothing. All I do is I simply fly and I reach out my arms and I wait for the bar and I grab it. I mean, in some ways, that is what life with God is like. You have a partner. You have one that catches you. You are not the one that is dependent on making all things happen. All we do is we risk ourselves. We open ourselves up to the life of God. We reach out our arms and we wait for God to catch us. And hear me very closely. Sometimes God catches us in ways that we wouldn't choose or anticipate, but he does catch us. So what we do is we risk it. We extend our arms. We put ourselves out there. We let down the nets. We do what we haven't done before, and we let God show us what God pictures for us, even when we can't picture it ourselves. Let me pray for us. I'm going to invite Ray to come up and bless us. Uh, so God... Some of us of us are ready to open ourselves up to you. Can we open ourselves up to the work that's happening around us and through us? Holy Spirit, may you help us be able to hear the invitations and the whispers for us to risk. God, I pray for tonight. I pray for those of us who are on the fence of if we're coming or not. God, I pray you nudge a couple people to come tonight. God, I pray for some of us that you align things and help us to be able to put ourselves out there to actually be able to experience your work that's happening around us right now.
God, we want to give you our things. We want to give you our trust. And we trust that you're going to catch us. In Jesus' name.